Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. So glad that you are here for our week five of asking for a friend. And it's built on the thought that people would ask Jesus questions all the time. They, in fact, they asked him um, 184 questions and Jesus answered every single one of them. And it just points to the fact that God cares about your questions, even the ones that you may be scared to ask. And so tonight we're going to be talking about uh, how do I carry grief? How do I carry grief? And the truth is, is we all are going to experience grief at some moment in our life, whether it's the loss, it's the death of a loved one, or maybe we've experienced a, a, a severe loss. Like we lost a job and uh, we financially, it just, it hurt our family. There's an intense season of grief, or maybe you had a friendship that was severed and uh, it created a lot of pain, a lot of heartache in your life. Or maybe you experienced um, in your marriage just uh, a, 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 an extreme brokenness in your marriage. And it not only created brokenness for you and your spouse, but also for your children. Or maybe you have been silently suffering with infertility or miscarriage. Unfortunately, we all experience grief. We all are going to have to walk through it at some moment in our life. And um, <clears throat> there's really, there's no way to prepare for grief. Like, one, you, can, you can think that you're ready for the moment, but once you have to walk through it, you are, you, there's no way to be ready for grief. That, that's all I can say. There's no way to be ready for it. And one moment of grief, one experience of grief doesn't ready you for another experience. And that's because the love that you have for that person, it was real. And the dream that you had for that, for that future, it was real. And that's why grief is so hard, because grief is so final. It's final. That person is gone. That, that soul that was once alive, they are gone. That job is done. If, you're, if that relationship is done, like if you have the chance to rekindle, it's never going to be the same. It's changed forever. And we all have different ways that we cope with grief, like for some of us, we pretend that we're fine, like I'm fine, I'm good. But the problem with that is really you're an explosion waiting to happen over time. And then others of us, we, we put a stake in the ground. We are staying in this moment of time. We are savoring every memory, every moment. We're just stuck in that moment of time. And then others of us, we, we handle our grief. We handle it. Like, I've got this. I am in control. And that's, this is me. that I'm talking to myself right now. I'm handling my grief. And that's the problem with handling grief is you are not in control of it. You're not in control of it. And when we were planning this series, I wanted to be very intentional about how we talked about grief. I wanted to be intentional on how we framed the question. And I wanted the question to be how do I carry grief? How do I carry grief? The word carry, it means support and move someone or something from one place 
to another, to support the weight. There's a weight that comes with grief. There's a heaviness. How do I carry something so heavy? How do I move from this place of darkness into another? How do I carry grief? How do we carry grief? How do I carry the weight and the heartache? How do I carry this pain that I'm feeling? And one thing I've learned over time is that grief doesn't, it's, the process of grief isn't linear. Like, you, you know, the five stages of grief, anger, denial, bargaining, depression, uh, acceptance. Like, it's not linear. You, you don't start at anger, or I don't, it's denial, actually, is the first one. You don't start at denial. Like, you, you might start at anger, and then you go back to denial, and then you move to uh, depression. Like, it doesn't move chronological. It doesn't move in order, because really, you change in life. You change in life, and you see life differently, and your life experiences redefine your pain. As you go through life, it, you look at situations differently, and so it unearths our, our emotions, our feelings once again. And so our grief, it really, it comes in waves. It comes in waves. And the Apostle Paul, he talks about this experience of, of a wave upon wave moment when it comes to grief. His friend almost died with a sickness, and he said, indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, but not just on him, but also on me, to spare me upon, spare me sorrow upon sorrow, sorrow upon sorrow. That phrase in the Greek, when it's translated, it's a technical phrase for, that speaks to a wave upon waves as they crash on the shore. Sorrow upon sorrow, wave upon wave. That's grief. That's grief. My brother passed away almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years this uh, September. And at the beginning, you expect the wave upon waves. You expect those moments, like at his first birthday, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at other big family moments, like weddings. I expected it when my son was born, and I knew my son would never know my brother, and my brother would never know my son. I expected that wave. But over time, the waves, they kind of, they spread out. They don't disappear. They spread out. And I'll never forget when I was hit by a wave unexpectedly. We, um, Fort Lee does a 5K every year. It's called Run for the Fallen. And my brother was uh, in the National Guard, so he's one of the soldiers that they honor at this run. And Part of the way that they honor these fallen soldiers and their families is uh, they have a moment where they say a soldier's name and rank, and then they have the family stand up, and they are holding their picture, and they walk around the track, and the entire stadium is silent. And it's really, it's a breathtaking moment because uh, there's so much respect in that moment for, for the pain that you've experienced and the loss that you've walked through. And I'll never forget this uh, one race. They said my brother's name, and I just lost it. I lost it. It was like I was standing with my back to the ocean, and I never saw the wave coming. And it just pummeled me. And I, I cried. And we stood up to walk around the track, and I couldn't stop crying. It was a wave upon wave, sorrow upon sorrow kind of moment. 
And so how do we carry this? How do we carry this weight? One thing I've learned is that God cares deeply. He cares deeply about our grief. He cares deeply about our pain. And sometimes we can feel like that God is far away, that he doesn't understand our grief, that he doesn't understand the weight, the pain that we are carrying. We think it's a weight he's never had to carry. But the truth is, is God designed us to grieve. He designed us in his likeness. And so he knows that heartache that we've experienced. He knows, he knows what it's like to have a dream that's been crushed. He knows. He knows what it's like to have someone choose something over you. He knows. He knows what it's like to have unkept promises. Listen, God knows what it's like to lose a son. God knows grief. And God isn't far away in our grief. God understands and he's right there with us. The psalm says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted in the Hebrew, it means, literally it means a heart bursting. The Lord is close when your heart is bursting. And that's what grief feels like. It feels like your heart is bursting. The wave upon wave, sorrow upon sorrow, heart burst. And God wants to be with you. He wants to help carry that grief. And in fact, tonight we're going to look at a story where Jesus walks through this moment of sorrow upon sorrow, wave upon wave. And we're going to really pull out a couple of things of how we can carry our grief in the same way. And so to do that, we're going to look at um, John 11. And it's a story of uh, when Jesus' friend uh, Lazarus dies. And if you're unfamiliar with the story, just I'm going to take a moment just to set it up. Uh, Lazarus gets sick, and he lives with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And the, the sisters sin for Jesus, and Jesus comes, but he comes late. He comes four days after Lazarus has died. And Lazarus at this point is in the grave. And Martha hears that Jesus has arrived and she comes running out to meet him. She comes running out and she says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She dives right in. She dives right into the if onlys. If you had been here, if you had been here, If only you had been here. She starts listing out all of these ifs, all these, like, these regrets, these regrets that Jesus should feel in this moment. She lists out things that she, like, Jesus, if you had been here, I have seen you heal person after person. You could have healed my brother. Jesus, you missed an opportunity. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you have ever thought that? God, you could have saved my marriage. God, you could have healed her cancer. God, you could have saved my brother. We list out these these missed opportunities, our shouldas, our couldas, and our wouldas. We list them out for ourselves. If only I would have done that. We list them out for other people. If only he would have responded in that way. And we list them out for God. And in this moment, Jesus asks Martha a question. He says, do you believe in who I am? 
Do you believe in who I am? Do you believe in my power? Do you believe in my authority? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? He's asking, do you trust in me? Do you trust in me? And Martha makes a courageous choice in this moment. She says, yes, Lord, I have always believed. She makes this decision. She says, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Even though I have all of this regret, I trust in you. And Jesus is inviting us to do the same with our grief. In fact, that's our first point today. He's saying, release your regrets. Release your regrets. Because you can't do anything about the past. You can't go back and change what you said. You can't go back and and change how they responded. You, you can't go back in time. You can't change the past. And instead of standing there shaking your fist in the land of regret, Jesus is saying, release it. Release it. Release your regret and to trust in him. Trust in his power. Trust in his authority. Trust in his plan. Jesus doesn't promise a life without pain. He doesn't promise a life without grief, a life without brokenness, but he invites us to trust him as we walk with him. He says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Trials will come. Sorrow will come, but take heart. I have overcome them. You just have to trust in me. After this, Jesus encounters um, Mary's sister, I mean, Martha's sister, uh, Mary. She comes out. She's just weeping. And honestly, there's like there's a crowd following her, and they are all weeping with her. And Jesus, in this moment, he's overwhelmed by the emotion. He's overwhelmed by what he sees. And he asks, he says, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord. And Jesus wept. Right here in this moment, Jesus is a perfect picture of what, of what grace looks like. He's this perfect picture. He doesn't move right into the miracle. He doesn't move right into solution mode. Jesus moves into their pain. He moves into their deep emotion, and he joins them, and he weeps with them. And that's our second invitation from Jesus today is to receive his grace. Receive his grace. It's it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. And in fact, the Psalms tell us that God keeps track of all of my sorrows. He's collected all of my tears in a bottle. It's this picture of a loving father holding their child, wiping their tears as they cry. Your tears don't go unnoticed by your heavenly father. He cares about your heart burst. And Jesus is teaching us, don't move past your grief. Don't move past it. Feel your grief. And God wants to be with us in our grief. In fact, that's what the gospel is all about. It's about God coming into our story, coming into our pain, into our misery, and carrying the weight, carrying our heartache with us, and making a way for us to be set free. And can I address the tension right here? Jesus knew the end of the story. Like he knew about the miracle that he was about to do. And Jesus still wept. He still cried. He knew how much hope was in this moment and he still chose to cry. Listen, hurting with hope still hurts. 
it still hurts. And some people are here today and you know that your loved one is in a better place. You know your loved one is fully healed and you haven't allowed yourself to grieve because, because you know that, because you know that they are in heaven. Hurting with hope still hurts. It's okay to weep. Jesus not only wept in this moment with Martha and Mary, but when he arrives at the tomb, John tells us Jesus weeps again. It's this, a wave upon wave, sorrow upon sorrow kind of moment. Hurting with hope is okay. Hurting with hope, it hurts. It's okay to cry. Just receive his grace today. Be okay to feel that emotion, to feel that wave upon wave. Really, it's a testament to how deeply you have loved. And maybe, maybe realizing how much you loved will help you understand why you have such a deep pain. Receive his grace today. Next, Mary and Martha, they lead Jesus to the tomb. And it's it's this act of them inviting Jesus into their pain. They're leading him into their hopelessness, into their, their brokenness, into their heartache. And really, it's, he's leading them into their new reality. Their life has changed forever. And when Jesus asks, he's, when he asks, uh, where have you laid him? He's asking, he's saying, let me help carry your grief. Let me help carry it. Because what you're carrying, you were never meant to carry on your own. It's too heavy. Let me help carry your grief. Jesus is asking to, to be let in, to be let into that place of pain, to be let in to that grave. And Jesus is at the grave with Mary and Martha, and he calls for the stone to be rolled away. And I love Martha's response in this moment. She says, Lord, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. And that's the reality of inviting Jesus into the grave. Like, the, it's not pretty. There is an odor. It's repulsive. And when Jesus rolls away, when that stone gets rolled away, it's not pretty. It's ugly. But Jesus asks. He wants to be in that place. He wants to be in that place of pain. He wants to help carry your grief. He wants to help carry your pain. And for some of you, that requires you to take down the mask and to be honest. Be honest with God and let him in and see your brokenness. Psalm says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds their wounds. God wants to heal your broken heart and he wants to bind your wounds. And for some of you, you've experienced, a, a, you have some real wounds that need attention. You've experienced a heart burst that did some real damage on your soul. And there's an ache every step that you take. And you keep people at a distance because you don't ever want to feel that ache again. Because that pain was so painful. And you keep waiting till you get over it, till you move past it, till you get over the grief. You're just waiting till you can finally move on. And I want you to lean in with me here. I want you to lean in with me. Grief isn't something that you get over. You don't get over it. You've experienced a loss. Something has been taken from you. And there's there's a hole in your heart where you once were whole. You've experienced a heart 
bursts. And that hole requires healing. It requires a mending of the heart. It requires, uh, there's going to be a scar in your heart. There's going to be a scar there. And it speaks to the trauma that you experience. It speaks to the pain. And really, this, the scar may soften over time and it may disappear, but it never goes away. It's a part of you, but it never goes away. And I want you to hear this. It doesn't have to define you. That scar doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to control you, but it's a part of you. And it's a part of your story. And Jesus' own experience speaks to that. After his death and his resurrection, the, the trauma that he experienced, it didn't, it didn't disappear. He's talking to one of his disciples, and he says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out and see my side. He's saying, see where the nails are put in my hands. See where my side was pierced. This is a witness of what I walked through. This is a witness of the trauma that I experienced. See my scars. Jesus had scars. Jesus didn't let the the trauma define him. He let his resurrection define him. But he used his scars to point to the reality of who he is. That he is the resurrection and the life. And he used that dead things don't stay dead around him. And that wounds don't go unmended. But you have to invite him in. You have to invite him in to that place of pain. Into that grave. So that, so that you can receive his hope. For tomorrow. That's the fourth thing Jesus invites us into is to receive his hope for tomorrow. And I love what happens next in Lazarus's story. Jesus calls for the stone to be rolled away, and Lazarus and Jesus calls Lazarus's name, and Lazarus comes walking out of the grave. He's wrapped from head to toe, and Jesus calls what is dead back to life. Listen, I already said it, dead things don't stay dead around. Jesus, dead religion, it doesn't stay dead. Dead relationships, they don't stay dead. Jesus breathes new life. He breathes new purpose. And what Jesus does for Lazarus in this moment is temporary, but it speaks to the eternal that he has. It speaks to the eternal. And Jesus is literally calling us to hope. He's literally calling us to believe for more. The apostle Peter, he says, in his great mercy, God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our living hope. He is our hope of what's to come. He's the hope of what will be. It's not a Disney kind of hope, but it's a living hope. It's a real hope. Listen, without hope, all you have is despair. That's all you have. All you have is despair. And I get receiving hope for tomorrow is hard. It's hard because you feel the pain of today. You feel the ache of today. And th this is probably the hardest thing for me. Like, I believe in my hope for tomorrow. I believe in it. But allowing it to frame my perspective today is hard. It's hard. But there's a choosing that has to happen. In the same way that you have to choose to release regret in the same way you have to choose to receive his grace for today. In the same way you have to choose to invite him, him in and let him help carry the load. You have to choose to receive his hope for tomorrow. You have to choose. And I love how Paul teaches us to do this. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us in eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So fix your eyes on what is unseen. Fix your eyes on the eternal. Don't choose despair. Choose hope. Choose hope. Pray for hope. Pray and ask God to stir his hope up in you, to lead and guide you. Pray for for him to renew your perspective and allow hope to be your guide. I love how the psalmist says it. He says, ask for me. Ask for me. I will always have hope because And I will praise you more and more. He's saying, I am choosing hope. As for me, that's a declarative phrase. As for me, even though there's no hope out here, I'm hopeless. I am choosing hope. As for me, I am choosing hope. Listen, for some of you today, you've put that stake in the ground and you are stuck in that moment of time. And Jesus is calling your name today. He's calling your name to pull up that stake, to lift your eyes up and to believe. Listen, God is not done with your story. God is the author of your book and you he's not done writing your story. You might be in the worst chapter of your life, but God is not done with your story. He's saying, believe in, believe in my hope. Choose my hope. I love what Paul says. He says, we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Listen, God redeems, restores, and reconciles for those who love him. Your story is not over. It doesn't mean that everything is going to go the way that you think it should. It doesn't mean it's going to go the way you think as you have it planned. It doesn't mean it's not going to be you're not going to experience pain, that you're not going to experience sorrow. But Jesus wants to bring redemption to those scars. Pull up the stake. Let him bring his redemption. Let him break down that scar tissue and allow him to reframe that terrible situation. Receive his hope for tomorrow. And just as we close today, I I want you to pray and ask God, what's my one step today? What's my one step? Ask his spirit to lead and guide you. Is he asking you to release regret? Release the things that you can't control. Release the things that you can't change. Is he asking you to receive his grace? To be okay to weep, to mourn, to feel that wave upon wave. Is he asking to help carry your grief, to lift that load that you were never meant to carry on your own? Or is he asking you to receive his hope for tomorrow? Just as I was praying over this moment, the Lord led me to a verse, and it's found in the prophet Isaiah. Read this with me. It says, see, I have written your name the palm of my hands. I have written your name on the palm of my hands. He has your name written on the palm of his hands. Those scars speak to his love and his care 
for you. They speak to the sacrifice that he is willing to make for you, to make you whole. Your name is written on his hands. You matter so much to your loving Savior. And in learning to carry your grief, you carry the memory, but you allow his resurrection to define you. You matter so much. He wants to redeem what was broken. He wants to redeem what was lost. He wants you to know that your story, it's not over. It's not over. And as we close today, I just want to close with a a prayer from the Apostle Paul. If you just bow your heads, I want to pray this over you. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come, that you would come and speak to hearts and minds, that you would come and speak to the brokenhearted and let them know that you are with them, that you are with them in the heart first. God, I pray that you would speak to the hopeless. God, that they would begin to have your joy, that you would begin to fill them with your joy and your peace. God, I pray that you would begin to mend the brokenhearted, that you would bind their wounds. God, I pray just as people begin to release regret, I pray that your peace would settle hearts and minds. Settle hearts and minds over the things that we can't control, over things that we cannot change. And God, I pray, I pray today that you would allow your grace to be enough for today. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.